Darmstadt on Air number 22. Devising Tactilities. Vera Tussing in conversation with Michael Pignett. Welcome to Darmstadt on Air. I'm Thomas Schäfer from the Darmstadt Summer Course team, and I have the pleasure of introducing episode number 22 of our podcast. I'm recording this directly from the Darmstadt Summer Course campus while we celebrate the 50th edition of the Festival and Academy. Since the summer of 2020, my colleagues and I at the International Music Institute in Darmstadt have been publishing a series of audio podcasts with conversations on music and related topics under the title Darmstadt on Air. As the Darmstadt Summer Course 2020 was postponed for one year to this summer, we wanted to keep some of the discussions going and share them with our community. Since the start of this year's summer course on July 31st, we published two Darmstadt on Air podcasts. One with Alvin Singleton, Harold Kisiedo and George Lewis. The other with Ensemble Pampelmoose and Peter Meanwell. Episode number 22 presents a conversation between choreographer and director Vera Tussing and collaborator and composer Michael Pignett, in which they are talking about the intersection between composing and choreographing using devising techniques. They specifically refer to one of their latest collaborations, Tactile Quartets, a dance performance that was realized in collaboration with four dancers and the string quartet MP4. The question how creation and curation can be developed in the fluid processes between choreography and music was also part of their conversation. We hope you enjoy listening. Okay, hello and welcome, Mike. Hi. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Looking forward to it. So what we're doing, we're going a little bit back to a creation we premiered in 2019 at Kai Theatre in Brussels. It's called Tactile Quartets and... It's a collaboration that I, Vera Tussing, did with Mike Picknett, but also with uh, MP4 Quartet. And yeah, I'm just gonna, because yeah, COVID has interrupted us a little bit, I'm just gonna read a little intro also to bring Mike and myself back to this project. Are you ready, Mike? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, in tactile quartets, Vera Tussing builds on her long-standing choreographic practice in exploring the sensory potentialities of the audience. In this piece, she has invited the string quartet MP4 to join three dancers, Jo Morishita, Zoltan Vakuya and Esse van der Brücken, on stage for a playful encounter between movement and sound. What happens when we take the movements of a string quartet seriously as a choreography and dance along. The four musicians play passages from canonical works from Franz Schubert and Florence Price, as well as contemporary works by Georg Friedrich Haas, Michael Pignett and Caroline Shaw. As they play, the musicians engage in a one-on-one -on -one tactile encounter with the audience, creating a physical interaction. 
Everything arises from touch. A bow on a string, an arm on a shoulder, an acoustic sensation on your skin. The dancers mediate the encounter between musicality and tactility, their choreography oscillating between touch, sight and hearing. At the point where the orbits of dance and music intersect, you are invited to enter the kaleidoscopic score, lend a hand or an arm. Yeah, the idea of lending a hand or an arm uh, as as the entrance point to a performance was very different in 2019 and has <laughs> certainly changed uh, uh, changed over the last year. And I guess it's still, we are still in 2021. We are still busy with it. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> shall we um shall we enter some questions um yeah yeah so mike shall we do uh some questions uh reflecting on this process um yeah. to start with i'm maybe just going to ask you a couple of questions but i'm also going to invite you to ask me questions back or i might intersect and come in with some thoughts that develop yeah, so. as we go along so maybe to start with, um, the little text I read sort of went a little bit into uh, what the what my creative process is, but maybe, uh, Mike, you could outline your creative process and what you have been working on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to give listeners a little background, like how we w we've worked together for some years. <laughs> This not our first <laughs> creation, but um, because I work like a lot between different uh, jobs, usually based around music. To, like uh, to give my my own background, like I trained as a composer, but I also work as a technician. Um, yeah, and I make a lot of the things that I do with or have done with you has been about adapting pre-existing music yeah or or finding music or like this sort of like um this relationship of like passing music between us and seeing like what what might be interesting what might not be interesting and that kind of conversation like a mu mu musical curation we've done a fair bit yes but we've, we've also we've also done some we've also done projects that are really based on original recordings and assembly yeah and, and i think yeah. all all of our projects have got some element of like we we have some element of curation and some element of creation and often i'm creating things that uh link both to what you're working on as a choreographer but also what the music that we found and how that can relate and it's, it's nice because it's very fluid and that that's I think is the joy of working on this sort of process is that you might have an idea that you really like and it's really strong and it works for a while and then suddenly it's not working anymore in the, <laughs> in the process and you have to be flexible like okay that that was good and now it we have to let it go and find something new. Mm. Um, and I know that when I work with musicians, that that is often like uh, 
when people first start doing this sort of work that that is a kind of sticky moment is like having to let go of stuff but yeah so then uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this yeah. creative process <laughs> yeah maybe i can also uh maybe i can actually introduce this briefly because you've you've now mentioned the scope mm. of collaborations that we've had and right so and the different the different areas um you work with the different ways you apply composition um but maybe uh zooming a little bit in into the collaboration with mp4 and the tactile quartets um maybe you could talk uh more or go a little bit into specifics around your your method of composing in relation to uh, in relation to this project yeah and i mean generally speaking about your maybe dive a little bit into your phd on this topic <laughs> as well so yeah so. yeah definitely <laughs> uh i was just thinking that actually this curation with mp4 though on the outside it seems very different that i'm working with musicians for the first time in projects with you it's actually yeah. very similar because it's also curating these uh quartets that we were finding and choosing uh and then creating material that kind of links them to uh both to what you're working on and the quartets that we find And they I thought we were doing something new for once and now we've just pointed <laughs> out that it's no. just same old, same old. Well, <laughs> I would say the new part of it was that y your choreography related a lot more to the the way the music was constructed Yeah. Uh, in this particular one, which is interesting. Yeah. But uh, just to give like the listeners a bit more background on what I do compositionally. And as you mentioned, my, my doctorate and um, this process that I use called devising, which I got from working with contemporary dancers and in theatre, where devising is like a, a common term, uh, just to give a little background on how it works. So generally, you don't start with material or you might start with it's difficult you might start with some things but that's not the that's not the that's not the performance and you work with individual artists so musicians or dancers or actors uh working with their ideas and their inputs to create the material through like a workshop process and often we we're using tasks like um almost games that we are playing with the the performers to to generate ideas and see what what they come up with what how they interact with our ideas and and then there's a sort of process of curating what comes out of that and we kind of choose what we're interested in and what seems to be working together and with the idea of the whole project so usually a project's got like a overarching idea which i suppose you can talk about in relation to tactile quartets and um yeah so often the, the ideas have to kind of work with that idea as well and sit well together with each other that's okay, devising maybe um i if the if the overall sort of arch of the tactile quartets is to on how to how music can be felt, I mean, like very broadly speaking, mm. 
Um, can you maybe, uh, is there one task that you, that you remember uh, working on with Claire, Pierre, Meryl and Margaret um, that, that you want to maybe explain to us or go a bit more into detail, just to have an example? Yeah, I think, um, so my approach in the tactile quartets was to take the, the four existing quartets, which is the, the Caroline Shaw, the Florence Price, the uh, Schubert and the Haas and to try and use them as like a base material and deconstruct the ideas that might be behind those quartets. My idea was um, the dramaturgy of the whole piece was that, is that, sorry, it's still there, <laughs> is that the, the music moves from the auditorium to the stage where the audience also is. So it kind of comes in more and more intimate, more and more intimate until we eventually end up with the fragments of quartets that we're using. So we, ne we never use the whole quartet apart from Caroline Shaw's one. We do use the whole quartet, but we, we use fragments from these quartets to kind of a couple of reasons, but one is just to make them a little bit more um, manageable for the audience as well. Like about a minute of two minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, and when you say manageable, I think uh, something I should hear in relation to the idea of manageable, we were very concerned actually with the, the idea of uh, synesthesia and this transfer between listening and the ability to feel. Mm. And I think... There's certainly uh, one thing, and when you use the word manageable, I'm think manageable. I'm thinking of uh, how we chose um, uh, pieces with or working methods or ways of how we build scores that are very particular mm. in either in their use of m melodic structures or in their use of of techniques that then translate into into f into how the music is felt on the audience's skin at the end yeah yeah definitely and also that they're very very identifiable sound worlds like you you, you wouldn't be confused yeah. between these four sound yeah. worlds and i think yeah. that was that was really important for us when we were choosing yeah. those quartets yeah um maybe um, yeah I, I just wanted to because i was thinking okay. i hadn't quite got around to actually answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens. <laughs> so to give a concrete example, so let's take the Haas, which is not the, the, the very famous Haas. It's, a, oh, it's the second string quartet, right? Yeah. Uh, I should know that. No, no, it's <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> no, it's been a while. Um, and it is the second string quartet, yes. Yes. So uh, we were using this idea of um, that this is all built on the, the harmonics of a uh, the low cello C string. So they're all natural harmonics. All the notes are built natural harmonics of that fundamental note pitch. And that's actually something that when you kind of um, look at it harmonically uh, and understand it, that's very easy for... Uh, string players to kind of get a grasp on uh, as a kind of pitch sets, like slowly moving between them and see what kind of house material we can generate in in the moment. 
And then we took that material, like just kind of like one idea, and we linked it with other ideas that we're working from, like the Shaw Quartet or the Price Quartet, so that we would kind of be able to move between a Price idea to this Haas harmony, and then maybe we apply the Haas harmony to an articulation that we find in Shaw, for instance. I don't think we actually did that, but that could be something that we would do. <laughs> and this way, we're kind of making material that is related to all our quartets and try and bring these very disparate sound worlds together. And my my whole idea, my, my basic dramaturgy of my music was that I wanted to reveal the quartet subtly. So I kind of create the material that kind of conditions the audience for when the quartets finally come in in the end the actual foil solid fragments that we're using that they already kind of knew them without realizing so they're very familiar and that helps with that idea of tactility like something familiar something um not unexpected and not kind of way out there yeah, especially, I mean, there's a moment where, where we kind of build up the Schubert very near the end of the of the, the piece of Tactile Quartets. Yeah, one, one of my favourite sections. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, I, like I, well, I think I really love it as well. And I, I love this. But this also has to do because of this work around the space. I like the spatialization of the sound there, of moving the speakers. So maybe for the listener, it's good to know that... Um, uh, there's live playing, but also some of the uh, sounds or the the, the the string quartet is um, mic'd up. So uh, there, we also hear them through a set of speakers, and these speakers are moved, which mm. which is which is part of the overall sort of choreographic development of the work. Yeah, the speakers are always related to to one musician. So you got a, a live player, and they're amplified semi-amplified because it's, it's never loud so it's just like a second source of where they are and actually spatialization in this piece was really important for us it's that idea of what what can you do live that you can't do um over headphones <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. to do with tactility as well right yeah i think we should uh we should actually um once more uh get back to the beginning and really describe the setup and what the tactile quartet is. Um, do you want to I do that? Maybe I can do it, yeah. So what is the tactile quartet? Um, and then how, for this particular piece, the tactile quartets. Um, I I did several years of research on this idea because it is a little bit of an unusual one. And it started off with... Uh, research that I did with a violinist uh, called Clara Levy. And the idea was um, whether um, I could, on one hand, listen to what she was playing, but at the same time, uh, she would uh, put her instrument away and place her left hand on my arm and move along uh, with the music that was playing. In a way, uh, it's a sort of tactile you could call it a tactile karaoke. And then I went from this small study with Clara to also 
do a small study on this with a percussionist um, called Ruben Martinez. And uh, from this sort of smaller studies with individual musicians, uh, we went to trying this out with a quartet. Mm. And uh, the sort of the heart of the of the performance tactile quartets is this moment at the end when uh, when the musicians arrive on stage, uh, they start in the auditorium, uh, and when they're on stage, the audience is invited in to to join them. So the musicians go between playing live, but then also putting their instruments away. And now comes the moment that you mentioned already earlier is they put the instruments away, but the sound of the piece they're about to play still comes out of uh, one out of a speaker. And each of the four musicians has one speaker that, that stands directly next to them. So the performer, or in the case of performance, um, the audience that lends a hand for the musician to play on has the sound with them all the time. And this is the moment of, yeah, what I would maybe refer to as a tactile karaoke moment, but this is also, uh, yeah, the the overarching idea that this work is based on the idea between listening and feeling uh, yeah. a piece of music. And then, of course, four people, uh, four people playing, uh, four people being touched, audience member, the idea of the of assembly of different quartets, uh, the dancing quartet, the musical quartet, and the third quartet, the audience quartet that joins at the end. And it's this idea of of the dramaturgy of um, intimacy as well. Like it starts very uh, spectacular, like you're watching, and then it gets more and more intimate. And at the end, you've got one-on-one -on -one performances from the four musicians that rotates like different audience members come in like it's not just four music audience members and and actually the intimacy it has a, almost like a fireside feeling by the very end like the audience <laughs> nice one mike yeah <laughs> i didn't quite expect that image uh, um i think maybe mike i'm gonna move um us on to another question that i think is both kind of has been both central in a lot of creations that I have done, but I think I really also see um, from a music perspective, I see really challenged in in your practice. And maybe it could be nice if you talk a little bit about this. Uh, and that is what type of leadership uh, does your approach to composition create? Is that a question you want to explore a bit? I mean, I did. I dedicated a, a quite a chunk of my um, doctorate to this this particular question because devising is obviously a a way of creation where it's interactive with the musicians from the beginning. Like, there's no point where I go away and I create something that they then have to perform. So it kind of changes the hierarchy of having a composer create a notation that then becomes a, a task for the performance to interpret. That blur between creation and interpretation becomes much more like amorphous. 
so the the performers have a role in creation and as a the interpretation is also part of the creative um role but i think there's there's a like um within devising it there's there's a whole range of options that you could take as a devising uh director or a choreographer or or composer and that is that by the end you could be extremely prescriptive and say it has to be done exactly this way which is a, an approach that many people take and um it's very effective because you can be extremely precise obviously or you could go the other way and rely on the process to uh engender an understanding between the performers and the uh director in that means that you kind of trust the performers to know what it is that is the performance so you can have a lot more improvisational um elements in it and a lot more freedom in performance and that's that like the pr- approach that I tend to favor and i think there's also choreographers like i think you in your work you tend to do a bit of everything right you have some bits that are very prescribed and some bits that are a lot freer uh, and that's a, that's another approach as well um in this particular creation i think i didn't have a huge amount of time like it was devising also takes a lot of time right <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually the question i was going to ask afterwards is how does time play in because i think yeah devising and the the approach that i know both you and i like to work with i think it's very related to time so great that you picked this up yeah because you need time to to generate an understanding and to generate a relationship with your performers like um i think i was kind of i'm really happy to with mp4 because they're all amazing they're not only amazing musicians but they're very comfortable with doing very free tasks that means they don't don't need to be told in precise way how to do a task they're happy to experiment and find their ways in so that was very lucky mm-hmm. um so then i became very comfortable with saying which of course also goes back to them having collaborated for 10 years yeah they also have this freedom because of how they know each other as a as 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 musicians and how they know each other's creative trajectories in working mm. it's not only their own collaboration but they collaborate with a lot of different kinds of artists as well which helps with their with their kind of breadth their breadth of musical approach that they can do they can do like very classical pieces they can do experimental pieces they can do pop pieces which is really useful and it also gives me a lot of language to work with as a as a director as a um, composer <laughs> as a choreographer like <laughs> i didn't really choreograph them <laughs> i leave that stuff to you <laughs> well in well in some ways you did because this actually nicely brings me to the next question um in what way has the tactile focus changed uh, your work in in this moment. But I, it also brings me maybe back, I can bring one example that I remember our early conversations with Claire, Pierre, um, Margaret and Meryl, um, uh, where 
us asking, uh, you know, what type of touch does this composition entail for you? Or how are these ways of using particular fingering? How does this, uh, uh, you know, how, how do different sections stand out for you? So I remember how us speaking with the musicians, how this had a particular angle because we were, we are trying to identify different compositions in relation to their to their tactile uh, to the tactile potential mm -hmm. they carry and I just wondered how the tactile focus has changed your work from a compositional angle yeah I think ironically because um, we've been working on tactile work for a while together before this project the tactility of performance has has been like a, a part of my kind of creative thought for a while <laughs> um and also in my own work in in uh i tend to work more on intimacy on one performance or how you can generate intimacy which is another angle that you also think about in relation to tactility and i think um so for me it comes out of also like a a body of thinking um and i suppose in tactile quartets i did think more about intimacy than i did about tactility and the the mechanics of generating but of course the mechanics of generating was like a really important moment when we were choosing the four quartets as you said like uh we wanted pieces that had lots of different techniques that the musicians would do which would relate to different ways of touching the audience members and also acoustically has lots of interesting uh, properties as well so then we could link the acoustic results of that tactility with the tactility itself on an audience member's arm yeah um when we were creating the kind of devised music elements which happened kind of away from the audience more than it I don't think we did. We have one devised uh, uh, fragment that we do on the audience. and But I think that the tactility of that came out of the tactile elements from the other quartets. I didn't, yeah, yeah true, work true. on it specifically. Yeah, no, no, this is true. Yeah. But then, of course, it's the really interesting questions, um, which we weren't focusing on, but were always obviously present in any staged music thing is the is the presence of the musicians and how how they are present how they're presented how they move particularly in a dance work and where they move and i think yeah that that you you were working with that as well i mean i was interested in moving them about <laughs> so you get like the individual musicians split out quite a lot so once they're in the the corners of the stage, and the so the audience is on three sides, and they would be in between the audiences. So if you're very close to Meg, you'd hear the second violin. If you're very close to Meryl, you'd hear the cello a lot more present, and you'd also see it and have that that intimacy, like I say, like um, contact, yeah. which I think is. I mean, as a musician, I. Growing up, like going to music college and being in these tiny rehearsal spaces, like <laughs> you get really close to musicians, and it's a very different um, experience to be like 
within a meter of somebody playing rather than seeing yeah. them on stage away 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 and it's it's very beautiful for me like to see the details of people performing yeah i know we've had like some that's just something comes up i had like offers to present the work in much smaller spaces um and yeah i think we're gonna the performance we're gonna be doing bruges is gonna do already at the concert about this will reset you at the work in some way mm. but i think there's something very particular about the tag quartets and the use of movement and trajectories and movement and localization of sound mm. uh the the these these different positions the trajectory of the musicians uh, and uh, like coming from the auditorium onto stage then moving on stage playing in different places then them being amplified through the setup uh the speaker setup and then these speakers getting moved separately from them i think yeah the the way the sound is choreographed and uh is a sort of it also relates it's a particular type of uh like you refer to it as um as an intimacy uh it's a it's a way of sonic touch and the way it is choreographed mm. i would i would see it like this as well so yeah it's, it's nice but it uh, also needs that that dramaturgy of coming from yes yeah. and then being yeah getting intimate yeah yeah maybe we can move on yeah um to another question that i think is always uh, nice to hear in processes um because we are uh, i think i can speak for that both of us we are very fond of these work working processes yeah. that are yeah definitely that are discursive that are based on conversation where we have researched a certain amount in order to have the umbrella of a performance, but then we bring something into the room that is then discussed and exchanged. And yeah, some of this, um, as we all know, conversing, <laughs> converses versus receiving a solid instruction. There are two very different entrance points. And I think it could be maybe nice to, uh, to go a little bit into maybe um, a bit of a, binary here um of going what are, what is the pleasure and where lies the friction in working like this and i'm sure there's many things that cross over but i think maybe we could uh maybe let's start with the friction but where do you see friction in the working process that you propose mike i think that that the pleasure and the friction are kind of tied together aren't they like you you can't <laughs> shoot <laughs> come on Give me just one. <laughs> so I think, yeah, the, no, no, the main thing is like, for me, where I've seen in, in the processes I've done, not just tactile quartets, but in all, all the devising processes that I've done, the main friction that I see is that the change from, you start with a very open and free conversation and you're looking for ideas and you're looking for collaboration. You're looking for input and, uh, tension and people's people's own opinions on things and all that kind of thing that you that kind of discursive creation and then at some point yeah. you have to shape it as as you have to do your job which is to shape it and make something out of it otherwise it's just going to be an improv which can be very interesting in its own way but it it is not the same as a piece like a creative piece um so at that point 
the relationship changes, right? You you've got to start saying this, not this. Uh, yes, that idea. No, that idea. Um, and at some point, when the time obviously starts running out, then you've got to say, "I can't take any more new, fresh ideas." Um, I've got a filter, and at that point, yeah. the change in relationship is often where friction starts or, or becomes very pronounced. Is that you're you're quite tired, usually, <laughs> no matter how long you've been doing this process, you you always get tired by this point, and um, they've got to trust that you're gonna make something really good with what they've given you, and also that. You, that you're going to respect the input that they gave and the ideas that they gave, and you've got to trust that they're going to that, that they know what you want, <laughs> and you've got to make that clear yeah. as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, at this point, it can be very much. Uh, this is where the friction can happen, and in the tactile quartets, for instance, like there's moments where the music is extremely simple and what the musicians are doing, like the, the tasks that they're working through to generate this material is not complicated and it's not showy, it's not flashy and it's delicate. And for them, I think that they wanted something that was a little bit more tricky and demonstrative. But for me at this moment, it was like, uh, this piece doesn't need this at this moment. Like, I, yeah. I, so we had a friction there like they <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to keep it simpler and they were like we've been doing this task like this for for mi many minutes but yeah I also think that if you step outside which is hard for them to do because they're in it but you step outside and you see there's a lot going on in the dance you don't want to be pulling attention into the music at that moment and i i mean maybe i'm wrong but that's the that's the choice that you make as a as a creator like you you got to take the risk that this is what you believe and and then also there's the discursive element that you've got to convince them that what they're doing is holding the space and interesting in itself and it doesn't need yeah. anything more um yeah which can be extremely hard. Yeah. In itself and in relation to all the other stuff, because yeah. uh, it's a fairly busy piece uh, with a lot of layers and a lot of shifts. So Yeah, yeah. so that's an example yeah. of some kind of friction that can happen. Um, I mean, we ha we also like worry a bit about the friction of ownership, but I've never had this kind of... I've never had a serious problem with that, but it's also, it's also like the, the elephant in the room when you're working in devising and it's something that you should really think about if you work this way your relationship to ownership and that's yeah. something you've got to yeah. come to terms with yeah so for example i mean this goes the same for the choreographing side of things i mean i've for years uh, uh shared the cho the choreographing credit um so um, i have co choreographers but with time i've come more uh more to the point to Uh, really labeling me as the director. So cho choreography is something that is shared with the dancers. Um, but no, I think that that's really interesting to make the distinction between choreographing and directing. And I think it's a super useful distinction to draw. In, yeah. yeah. I think maybe I'm just gonna, if you work in a, in a, in a devising context in dance, for me, 
it's been helpful to um, over the years. This has sort of come into into position that I I share the choreographing credit as the dancers I work with are co-choreographers, but um, uh, the directing credit is something that I hold, and this is also something, especially in relation to the tactile coordinates, I would say. Yeah. Uh, because it was a very short creation, very complex creation with multiple layers. And I think the directing trajectory I took was possibly the strongest uh, that I've done in any creation. And funnily enough, I was very worried about this from in the beginning, but it was actually very welcome by the team. Yeah. People like to, to give their ideas, but they also like this moment of, of somebody shaping it like they know somebody's in control and they trust i mean we we trust you we you we've you've got a track record of making great pieces so that's also <laughs> a really important part of the relationship like even my relationship to you like i really trust that what you're making is going to work even though in the beginning often like um a bit uh, like trying to work out what you're working <laughs> on and and <laughs> how you are talking about it and and what it means but then I always in my head I'm just like I, no Vera knows what she's doing like clearly <laughs> yeah thank you Mike very, very much appreciated because uh well there are the moments when you trust yeah uh, what I'm doing but very obviously uh this allows me <laughs> to be maybe a little bit more, how should I say, fluid in, uh, in where I'm actually at with things. But I think which is an important, also to actually create openings for people at all, you know, if you roll in there with a with something that is, it is more set and it doesn't create these openings and actually the, yeah, maybe the these moments where you, where you trust the other, uh, I think in devising processes for me is very important. Because there you allow the action, you allow you allow for things for opening and things to come in. But then again, yeah, the the fact that somebody will pull it together and direct, I think is is a is a preferred is a preferred structure that I've come to work with over the years. I, I've tried totally flat uh, flat collaborations. Um, it's just yeah. um, I think everybody needs to find what works for them in this case. Yeah. Totally. I always remember speaking of like the the beginnings of creations when I start it's kind of terrifying like cuz <laughs> you don't know what it is you know kind of what you're interested in but you don't know what it's going to be you don't know where it's going to go and it that is kind of terrifying and I always remember this interview with Pina Bausch the 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 great choreographer and she said when she walks into a room, everyone looks at her and expects her that she knows what she's doing and she doesn't. <laughs> and I think if it's okay for Peter not to know what she's doing, then it's okay for me as well. Like, Yeah, but to give some credit to the dancers here, she's also worked with an incredibly um, incredible group of dancers, some of them with lengthy careers and experiences. And I think And this, also this... lengthy experience with her as well. Like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's like just to wrap up, um I think we've covered like several things. Of course there's a lot more to cover, but maybe just because we tapped uh, with this creation into a bit of a genre, <laughs> uh the quartet, the string quartet. Is there something? Is there something particular? How you see the string quartet as part of the 
the musical canon or is there something that in the way we worked with the string quartet uh, in particular that has reshaped your thinking on this? Yeah. Does this make any sense? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I think like obviously the string quartet holds like a big place in the musical canon. Um, it's a hugely important form of music. But for me, in 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 my particular case, like as as a composer that's really interested in intimacy and working with one on one with people, I've completely over the years lost interest in orchestral works, for instance. These mass performances don't interest me. I mean, I love to hear them. I'm not interested in creating them. That that's a big divide. Like, and I think. I really want to hear the voices of my musicians and that's too many musicians. So chamber work is like the ideal where you can go right down to the, the solo and the duets, the trios and the quartets, obviously. Uh, it, within a piece, like you can have a quartet that is just a solo for a while and this is this musician, this is the music that they make, this is their art, which for me is very exciting. Yeah, so the quartet for me is that kind of, that size that has so many possibilities of duets within it and also solos and also can make the bigger sound when it needs to. It's not it's not small in that way. And it, yeah, that thing of like a string quartet unamplified can fill the Kai Theatre on their own, which is... Is kind of amazing, but also they can play within like centimeters from somebody and and create that intimacy. Yeah, I think over the 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 creation, it's not so much that my relationship with string quartets in general has changed, but more that my relationship with this particular quartet when you work so intimately with some people and you kind of get to know their personalities, you get to know what makes this quartet work and the high, the hierarchies within the quartet. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fact that uh, you have like Claire, who's the, the, the first violinist and obviously like often takes the lead in more classical quartets the melodies and things like that, but how like Meg, the second violinist is so full of ideas. Like <laughs> it's hard to stop her. Sometimes she's just coming up with loads of stuff and that's, that's amazing. Like you don't want to stop her because the stuff she comes up with is great. Oh, Pierre, that's the viola player and he's very quiet, but he's able to, to go away and think about something and, and come up with a moment That is uh, so amazing. Yeah, and obviously Meryl, that's that sound that she can make is just awesome that we use a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that we also also that we also actually end the piece on we ended with Meryl and uh, uh and a solo. There were such beautiful players. Uh, for for cello. I yeah. mean you could you could have any of them as soloists. <laughs> <laughs> 
So maybe uh, having come to the end of the performance, sound-wise, maybe we also can come to the end of this conversation, Mike. Mm, definitely. I mean, we could talk for hours, but I think we should yes. not overwhelm we have Well, We have 13 questions here and we did four. Yes, so, I think I that's think, a good right for I, us. <laughs> I, th I think this is a good time maybe yes. for our listeners and... Uh, thank you, Mike. It's great to tap back into thinking with you about Tactile Quartets. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mike, I look forward to be back with you hopefully soon. And I look especially forward to be back with the whole team. This also includes the dancers. We didn't speak so much uh, about the choreographic uh, point of view, but I think it is entailed in the way of how Mike and I reflect on music. Um, but there's, of course, a lot more to say on this. Oh, yeah. So maybe next time. <laughs> we do one on choreography. I think that would be lovely. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Vera.